Everyone's got opinions when it comes to leadership, and let's be honest, how many experts do we all know? But where can we find real leadership advice that's not BS? Well, look no further. Welcome to No BS Leadership, where on each episode, we attempt to expose the gap between what leaders think they should be doing and what actually works without the BS. Listen in as we irritate some, inform others, and challenge all leaders to discover a better path to the leadership excellence we all want. Well, is she a seizure? What's happening over here? Oh, better. Hey, why did the bike's bicycle fall over? Why? It was too tired. Oh, stop oh. it. Just stop it. Sure, you do that now, but you leave me in a bit of silence. I wasn't prepared. I'm ready now. Oh, okay. okay. You're all warmed up. I get it. I get it. Hashtag panhandle life. Hashtag panhandle life. Oh, so how's everybody doing? Super good. How y'all? So I'm excited for this episode. We get to find out what makes Geyer tick. Yeah. Coffee yeah. and whiskey. Even if he is in Hawaii, what yeah. makes him tick? Why did he become a coach? And not only that, but how can he best help people that he's coaching? Yes. Would you, would you cool. fill us in? The sound of silence. Yes. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Yes, Myra. Thank you. I'm Jeff Geyer, Phoenix Coaching. And what makes me tick? I've always thought I had a tick. I'm not really what makes me tick. I'm not sure. But yeah, it's a great question, Myra. Why do we do what we do? And I think I think everybody can ask themselves that question and point it at all kinds of things, professionally, personally, educationally, physically, all that stuff. Why do we do what we do? And I'm a coach because I believe that the decades of experience I I have leading people, and it started clear back in the late 70s in the United States Air Force, getting tagged to to lead people almost from the get-go in basic training. I remember they they put ropes, these braided ropes on your uniform, on your shoulder that indicated different of leadership. And I'd been in the Air Force for a day or two. And so somehow I got tagged to be one of the squad like leaders and basically been leading people in organizations ever since. So however many years that is 30 or 40 or whatever it is. And so why am I a coach? And the basic reason is I want to help people win in however they define winning in both their businesses and professional careers and in their life. And I think those things go together. I don't think that we have a business life and a home life. I think we have a life and part of it, we're at work and part of it, we're at home and part of it, thankfully I'm in Hawaii, that kind of stuff. So you can't separate that. So if we can make business, our business lives better, we can make our lives better. And so uh, I want to help people win and I really want to help them avoid some of the landmines that I stepped on along the way over these decades. Now, some of those landmines I stepped on I didn't know they were there and I stepped on them and it blew me up. Some of them, and this is the interesting part, some of them, I knew they were there and I consciously chose to step on them because I thought I was tough enough and it wouldn't really, yeah, it's going to blow up, but it's not going to hurt me. And that's uh, obviously not necessarily true. Landmine's going to blow up. It's going to hurt something. And so 
I want to help people win, become whatever they want to become, help their businesses to become whatever they, they want to become. The reason my company's called Phoenix Coaching, the Phoenix is that bird that rises up out of the, the ashes right after the fire. And uh, there's part of my story, and we don't have enough time in this episode, but part of my story in includes a time where I was burned out. And there were, during that time, I knew I was burned out and refused to admit it to myself. And if it wasn't for a couple of very dear friends, people close to me, one in particular that said, hey man, let's grab breakfast. What are you doing Thursday morning or whatever? And so I made time on my schedule because really I, I don't have time to go back then. Didn't have time to go to breakfast at 6 a.m. because I'd been at work already for an hour. And yeah, you're in the flow. Anyway, long story short, he just said, hey man, what's going on with you? And he goes, I can't put my finger on it, but there's something going on with you. And when I made the decisions to leave the C-suite uh, and that story, again, is another podcast in itself. I told the folks I worked for, I think I, I want to resign. And they said, we think that's a great idea. Did I resign or did I get fired? And the truth is, it doesn't really matter. I took some time right after that and decompressed, I guess is the word to say. Had a chance. The phoenix comes out of the ashes, not in a moment, but in a season. And got out of that situation and really spent some very competitive. I don't even know how to say it. I contemplated. There we go. There we go. That's McLaughlin. Help me, buddy. You're the word, dude. Contemplated. Why am I here? Kind of stuff. And I determined that the, one of the reasons I was created was to help people. And I'd been doing that all my life, but really doing it for other people. And now I wanted to do it for myself. And I wanted to help people that really wanted the help, as opposed to there was a time in my career where I thought I was the CEO of a company because the owners found, said, somebody told them that, geez, you have a company, you need a CEO. So they hired one, but they didn't really know what they wanted him to do. And so I was trying to influence and. There's way more to that story. I, mean, I shouldn't go down that road. The bottom line is we are, in my opinion, created as relational beings. It's, we can't be by ourselves. It's why one of the cruelest forms of punishment in our society is solitary confinement. We are created as relational beings. And I want to help people learn how to relate with themselves and each other better. And that's what I do every single day. I feel very blessed to have survived some of the landmines that I stepped on. And I get really excited when I see that kind of look in my client's eyes that they've transformed, they've turned the corner, they realize something that they haven't used before and we can move forward. And, and um, that, that really gets me jazzed up, whether I'm in Hawaii or somewhere else, it doesn't matter. Jeff, you mentioned how you got into leadership and you said something to the effect of somehow I got tagged to be a leader. So using all these, using these couple of years of experience you've earned since that opportunity, looking back at your 18 year old ish self, what do you think somebody saw in you then that they said, this guy has a leadership quality? That's a great question, Dr. Sam. And I'd start the answer by saying that I don't think leaders are born, they are made. Yes, we have some tendencies maybe to be towards leadership or maybe to be around people, but. We have to develop those skills. So we're not, leaders aren't born, they're made. So it's a decision to become a leader. And I think part of that decision, the foundation for me back then was I believe that whatever the situation, whether we're talking about interpersonal stuff or how much money I had or the living conditions or all that stuff, I believe that it could be better. In other words, 
I was forward. Remember my mother used to say when I was young, geez, Jeff, can't you just be satisfied with what you have? And I said, yes. And I was learning that back then that I was given off the wrong vibe. Yes, I was very satisfied with what I had, but I also believe that there is more. That the world is created such that we're either growing or we're dying. There's no standing still. So I can't say, well, yes, um, everything is the way it's supposed to be. And I'm just going to stand still for a day, a minute, a year, a lifetime. I think there's more to grow. And I approach that the same way in the military. I remember getting off the bus at Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio, Texas. And they're screaming and hollering right away. And you just got off the bus and what is the whole thing about putting the suitcase down and picking it up and putting it down and picking it up. That's all true. And I, I just kept thinking in my mind, this, there's more to this. I'm, what can I learn here and, and how can I make it better? How can I make myself better? How can I help the people around be better? And with that mindset, I think that foundation, Sam, the drill instructors saw something and they just tagged me to do something but more. That's awesome. So I'm curious about your childhood because Jeff, I've known you now for probably a few years, but I don't think we've ever actually had a chance to talk about young Jeff Geyer, who is still <laughs> everybody else. But what, where'd you grow up? And I'm just curious, were there indicators in your youth of pre-18 years old when you obviously went in the military, but were there indicators in your youth? Was this something that you thought you could see yourself doing in the future? Were there was there anything like you centered around coaching? Mean Geoff coaching and I mean serving leadership, that kind of stuff, serving others. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I can see that. But for you, were there shining examples? Were there people in your life that you saw that did, went? Did you unionize your daycare? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Those are good questions too. I grew up in a small town in southeastern Washington, just south of, of Spokane, a little town called Colfax. There's about I don't know, 2,500 people there. And I learned a lot. I thought about life and I give credit to my mom and dad. They were married to each other and only each other until they died. So I was blessed that way. I've got an older sister and younger brother. So I'm the middle child. We effectively, looking back on it, grew up in Mayberry. Didn't have everything we wanted, but we certainly had everything we needed and had a really good, strong upbringing. And I got into sports when I was younger. There's in small towns, sometimes there's you can get into sports or you can get into being a hooligan. And uh, I chose sports and, and uh, played football and basketball and ran track. And I really wasn't good at any of that stuff, except for a little bit of a basketball where I learned dedication and teamwork and sacrifice and your order where you belong. And leadership comes out of that and got into music and played guitar and trumpet, believe it or not, and really enjoyed that because that's also about teamwork and know your place and how you can do it the best you can do and it makes the team better and all that kind of stuff and so I, I just think that my the foundation i had as a young person was that you were created to to be better than you think you can be certainly better than you are and that doesn't mean you run around with a big fat head and or puffing your chest out it just means as best you can try every day to to be better and better and as i grew and got older and experienced more things, I realized that the, the way you make yourself better is pay attention to the people that are in front of you, that are ahead of you, that have more experience of you, that might be smarter than you or educated different than you. I love meeting people and hearing their stories and gaining some wisdom or at least learning from the wisdom that, that they had. 
That doesn't mean that people younger than me don't have anything to offer. That's not what I'm saying. I just think when I was younger, I really had a propensity to, to hang around people that were a little farther down the road from me. In fact, I don't know why I'm thinking about this right this minute. The very first time I ever played golf, the off was with the base commander, a one-star general, and it was a scramble. I don't remember what they call that term, scramble. We were on a different team, playing best ball or whatever. And we got on the first tee and I said, sir, and I'm like a two-striper. I said, sir, I've never played golf before. Uh, never. And he goes, you've never played golf? No, sir. And he goes, fine. And he pulled the putter out of my bag and he said, hit the ball with this. So the very first golf shot I ever had on a golf course was a drive off of the first tee with a putter. <laughs> nice. He's in the new. But, yeah, Jeff, you've obviously have gained a lot of wisdom over the years. And, um, and wisdom, as we know, comes from making mistakes. So yes. what is the biggest what was the place that you gained the most wisdom from a mistake? Ooh, wow. That's a deep question, Myra. I love the place questions. where I gained the most wisdom from a mistake. Where'd you screw up the most and you learned from it? Maybe that's um, it. I, I would say, and I probably had this probably happened two or three times. I trusted people explicitly prior to building a relationship with them. And that sometimes can work, right? There are, there are more trustworthy people than others, but one of the foundations of this, of a good relationship is trust. But we get into that question about is trust earned or is it given? And I'm one of those people that give trust easily. And in, in business situations, when we're talking about people and money and process and all of that stuff just willy-nilly handing out high levels of trust to people in very important positions in your organization may not be the right thing to do. And in a, I can think of it two or three times over the 40 years where I trusted people to do things that they were supposed to do or I thought they were going to do or sometimes they said they were going to do it. Not in every one of those cases. I, tr I trusted them and it didn't work out very good. The mistake I made was uh, maybe not following President Reagan's advice to trust, but verify. And so I'm not saying, and I hope you're not hearing, don't trust people. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you have to build the relationship. That's the foundation is trust, but you have to build that. You just can't just go, yep, I trust you explicitly. And th then put the parachute on and jump out of the airplane. And you don't know whether the person that packed the parachute really knew what they were doing or not. You kind of have to you have to trust people and trust has to be earned and it has to be given, but that's a process. It's not an instantaneous thing. And so I think that's probably what I would say. I learned a lot by, by trusting people explicitly when I had no relationship built with them. Jeff, what would you tell a new leader or someone who is interested in becoming a leader? If they're taking their first leadership position and they don't know anything about leadership, what would be the first thing you'd tell them? The very first thing I would tell them is that you can do it. Even though you have no training and maybe even no experience doing it, you can do it. And here's one of the first things you need to understand. It isn't about you. It's not about your title. It's not about your experience. It's not about why they picked you to do it. It's about the people that you are leading. And if you can focus on them and not yourself, 
focus on building the trust so that you can start to build relationships with these people, then your first step is in the right direction. And then as Conroy, man, it takes relationships with other leaders, takes reading books and going to conferences and all of that. It's not a, there, there isn't a single course you can take that's, this is a leadership extraordinaire and you go to this class and you pass it and all of a sudden you're a great leader. I think a lot of us can look back in history to people that we are to be great leaders and all of those people would be focused on others and not themselves. Great answer. What's one of your biggest wins in coaching? Because obviously you went from the executive C-suite banking and medical world, uh, and then you transition into this coaching position and working one-on-one with people or all teams or something like that. What's one of your biggest wins in the coaching realm since you've been doing that? Another great question. Jeez, you guys are, you guys must be coaches. You're asking great questions. Yeah, yeah Geoff, there's not one that sticks out. I think I, I like to focus on the little kind of wins. If They're really not little. They're huge events, but they happen routinely. And that's when a client, whether it's people in a group that I'm coaching, I have a couple like that, individuals, and usually towards the tail end, I'll ask the question. They say, well, you know, what's... What, our time together today, I think has been really good. What's one of the, what's one of the takeaways? What, what did you learn? What has been made more clear to you? And the answers that come out of that, and a lot of times they're like, Jeff, I never thought about X before, or I never thought about Y, or boy, you've, I don't really have any answers, but you've made me think. And when that happens, I consider our time together to be very successful because I've got people to think about or help them get to a place where they've thought about something they, they haven't thought about before, or now they're thinking that where they currently are isn't where they have to stay. And that, that they are, sometimes I say it tongue in cheek, but all of us are absolutely one decision away from changing whatever it is we're talking about. And you say, well, I'm stuck here. I, there's just nothing I can do. And that's a mindset. It's not the truth. There's always something we can do. So to, to help people, it's those. So to, to answer your question, it's the little things that get, get people that I can help them understand, or at least see for the first time that, man, there is more to this. There is more to me. There's more to the situation. There's more to the problem. There's more to the success. And there is something I can do and I need to start moving. And I really like those kind of aha moments or when you see people's eyes light up. Yeah. Awesome. Very good. So Jeff, we're going to uh, start to wind down just a touch. I'm going to ask you one more question in just a second, but for folks who have listened to the podcast for a while now, we're probably over the 80 episode mark. And to date, really haven't done a lot of focus on us as our leadership qualities and our coaching skills are to be considered. So we're taking a series. Each of the five of us gets a chance to talk about our business, our background, and let you, the listener, get to know us just a little bit differently, individually rather than part of a group. So Jeff, that point, when people want to contact you or want to know more about you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? In today's society, there's lots of ways. You can certainly call me. I have no problem with that. Or in the show notes or in, or at least Myra helped me out. Where's that? Where we talk about us. My, my email address is in there. My telephone yeah. number is there. I've got a decent, I think, and maybe I shouldn't say decent. I've got a thing in LinkedIn, you know, you can find me uh, at Jeff Geyer on LinkedIn. 
I got a Facebook thing. Right now I'm revamping my website, phoenixcoachingllc.com. So if you go there, you won't see anything because we, we pulled down what was there, put back something else. But I would just say, Sam, God, Google Jeff Geyer and you'll find lots of stuff about me. You can reach out, messenger, uh, phone, email, what have you. Right this moment, if you want to get a hold of me, I'd be happy to take you out on the Lanai and look at the Pacific Ocean here from the Kona Coast in Hawaii. It's awesome, man. It is so awesome. So the invitation's out there. If anybody wants to get a hold of Jeff Geyer in a very physical sense, go arm and walk down to the beach and enjoy the Pacific. And that's a short-term offer. So uh, you may <laughs> Conroy, show, not that. We'll just have to see how goes. Conroy, I'll pick you up this afternoon, buddy. Come on, get on my way, baby. All right. I'm Dr. Sam. Jeff, thank you so much for highlighting some of your experiences and your background. And for the team, let's all sign off as one. Ready? Three, two, one. Bye. Bye. Hello, Linda Buck. It's almost as much. Almost. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the No Leadership BS Podcast. If you have any stories, questions, or comments you would like to share with us, please email us at askus at leadershipbs.co. That's askus at leadershipbs.co. Don't forget to give us a five-star review so we can reach more people. Thank you so much, and tune in next time. We'll see you then.